Today's Words and Nerds podcast is sponsored by The Accomplice by Steve Kavanagh. If you were married to a serial killer, would you know? Steve Kavanagh's follow-up to the best-selling 13, 50-50 and The Devil's Advocate is his twistiest yet. The Sandman serial killings have been solved. Daniel Miller murdered 14 people before he vanished. His wife Carrie now faces trial as his accomplice. The FBI, the district attorney, the media and everyone in America believe she knew and helped cover up her husband's crimes. The only thing between a life in jail or free Freedom is Eddie Flynn and his team. Steve Kavanagh is the master of the twist and The Accomplice will keep you guessing right to the last page. The Accomplice is released in Australia on the 26th of July. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny V. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. Talk about all the things that I've been with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm Uh. feeling sick. Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to another Words and Nerds episode where we bring literary goodness straight to your ears wherever you are. I'm super excited to welcome best-selling, award-winning YA fantasy author Lynette Noni. Her books and series include the Prison Healer Trilogy, the Medoran Chronicles and the Whisper Duology. Her latest book, which we're going to talk about today, The Blood Traitor, is the conclusion to the Prison Healer Trilogy. Welcome, Lynette. I'm so excited to have you on today. Thank you. I am stoked to be here. I can see behind you. I know listeners can't, but I just have to mention all your beautiful books behind you on display. You must be so proud of what you've achieved and all the books you've written in those little series. So well done. It's been an amazing journey, I imagine. Yes, thank you so much. It really it really has been. I have those moments where I just have to stop and think, how did this happen? You know, like, <laughs> I don't understand. Do I need to pinch myself? Do I need to wake up? So don't yeah, wake so- up. Don't wake up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you find that because you're just in the trenches working and writing and working and you know, and it's pretty solo sort of business, then you look up and you're like, oh, people do like my stuff. You know, do you find it it's that kind of two worlds colliding? It really is. Like I, especially at the moment, I've just had a new book come out and to see so much excitement over it. I'm like, I feel like a fraud, you know, I'm like, (laughs) I I live in my pajamas. I just, I, you know, I essentially work in a fantasy world that I've made up. Like I just, I I don't, I don't, um, you know, I guess I don't understand how it could happen, but at the same time, it's such an honor and such a privilege. And, and it's just such a beautiful thing to know that, uh, the people are reading my books and loving my books and they're finding an escape in it. So mm. it means so much to me. And yeah, definitely has that surreal factor. That's for sure. It does, doesn't it? You're like, oh, people like this. And I'm just like working away in my pajamas, which is, you know, how can you complain with that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, we'll talk about a lot of your writings. I know um, listeners and you've got quite a cult following. They're quite, you know, excited about you know, hearing about the genre as a whole and your writing as a whole. But we will start with The Blood Traitor. It's the final book in the Prison Healer trilogy. Do you want to give me an elevator pitch for the series leading into the, the last book? 
Yeah, for sure. So um, I guess if we go back to the beginning, the series starts um, by following a 17-year-old girl called Kiva who has been locked in a death prison for the last 10 years. And when she's finally given the chance to earn her freedom, the cost could be her very life. So throw in some royals and some rebels and some elemental magical trials, which are really designed to kill you. Um, there's a very slow burn romance. There's a, a plague in the prison. There's all these, a lot of things that go very, very wrong. Um, and and Kiva, poor Kiva has to deal with a lot of that. And so that's kind of, that sets the scene for the series as you get to know her. And then uh, the stakes just continue to grow and grow and grow, which leads to the blood trader where Kiva uh, kind of opens in a very bad place for Kiva, uh, physically and psychologically. Um, and so she has to deal with, you know, the consequences of decisions that were made in the previous two books and um, work her way through those while there's all these other um challenges around her I guess you could say so it's it's definitely full of action and adventure and there's very high highs and very low lows and it's um hopefully a satisfying end of the series for readers mm, that's a, that's a bit of a uh, challenge is that is the pressure on you because people are with you you know through a whole series and they're waiting for the next book and waiting for the next book do you feel a bit of pressure to make sure that the ending is going to live up to people's expectations or you try not to think about that I don't think I've ever actually consciously thought about it because I mean for example I wrote this book before the Gilded like before the second book ever came out so um it was and I was probably writing it around the first around when the first one came out so people were kind of only just getting to know the characters and know the world and I was deep in my deadline mode and um to me it's I kind of have to distance myself from what people will like because at the end of the day you know what one person loves another person person will hate and that's yeah. always going to be the way and that's the same for me some of my closest reading friends we will never read a book that we both love like or that multiple <laughs> us love yeah. um you know there's no matter which person I talk to whichever friendship of a book person it like the amount of times I've been recommended books by friends like this is terrible <laughs> um, and, the same, and it goes the other way I'll recommend something as the best book I've ever read and they're like wow I could get through one chapter and I had to put this down so you know reading is so subjective and I think if I went into writing worried about about making it something that everyone would love I would I wouldn't get past you know the first page of writing because I'd just be so panicked uh so instead I really I focus I guess my marker is something that um that I'm happy with you know something like bringing um bringing the characters uh to where they need to be and to bring a conclusion especially if we're talking about an book in a series you know having uh, hitting every point that I need to hit and and just feeling like that sigh moment at the end that everything is done. I couldn't make this any better than it is. And I'm, you know, that kind of um, acceptance of this. I couldn't do any better. Um, hopefully it's okay. And if not, <laughs> at least I love it kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. It's just being true to your writing, to the characters and yeah. pushing all that other stuff. So, cause you're right. I mean, especially with your readership, you're not going to be able to make everyone happy. And if they're not happy, it gives them something to talk about, you know, the controversy. <laughs> they and they that. will. <laughs> they will. That's right. Absolutely. Now with the series, and let's talk about this one particularly, do you plan out exactly what's going to happen from book one to two to three before you start writing, or do you leave some room for some surprises? How do you work a series? Cause it's different to just a standalone book. It is. And I have to admit, every series that I've written has been a very different process. In my six book Midoran Chronicles, I was very much 
don't plan it, see what happens, you know, as a pantser. So I wrote by the seat of my pants, I would have a few different plot points. And I knew that I, you know, usually have a beginning and an end and maybe a couple of key things that I wanted to have happen. But I left so much of it open, um, I guess, essentially for the characters to surprise me. Uh, then coming into my duology, Whisper, after that, it was, I was more, I left a lot of room and a lot of wiggle room for those surprises. But I also was a bit more of a plotter with that because I knew there were going to be some twists and I wanted to include some foreshadowing. And so that took a bit of um, delicate work. So coming, by the time I reached writing the Prison Healer series, you know, I'd been, I'd released um, eight books or something, or I was in the process of releasing that. And so I was very much more a plotter. So I wrote the first book with a very, a very firmer plot in mind. Um, and I knew very carefully the ending of it, which is this big cliffhanger ending. And so I was working towards that. And so when I got publishers on board for this series, they wanted a synopsis of the next two books, which is very normal in publishing. And so I sat down and I really carefully mapped out what would happen in the next two books. And uh, I was really proud of myself afterwards because that was not something I'd ever really successfully done before. <laughs> Usually I'd be like, something bad happens and they have to deal with it. You know, like, <laughs> it's... Synopses are awful. I don't know an author who enjoys doing them. Um, but I was so proud, um, except for when I started writing the second book and following my very carefully planned outline, um, my characters and the world, everything, a few things happened that really changed the direction of what I had intended um, in, in what at the time, and I still believe is a much better way. But it meant by the time I reached the third book, the entire outline that I'd given, every every plot point, I couldn't use any of them. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, I know, I know. So I, I went into writing this third book in a complete like, oh, 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 panic, because I had to just figure it out as I went along. Um, but at the same time, when I look back at the synopsis that I wrote, um, the book that ended up becoming a book is miles beyond anything that I'd actually originally planned. So um, it just goes to show so much of it is trusting your gut as a writer and trusting your instinct and, and uh, you know, crossing your fingers and hoping for the best. Um, and yeah, that's, so it was a really interesting series to write because each of the three books in it you know, had a very different process. Mm, that is interesting. I love that though. So you're not locked into one process. It's kind of like you've learnt as you went and you're kind of open to whatever the, the, the next series is going to lend itself to. That's kind of cool. I, I, I don't think I speak to many people who are that flexible. They're either I'm a plotter and all plotters want to be pantsers and all pantsers want to be plotters. <laughs> yeah, so. it's true. It's true. I have envy for both of them. And so I'm really frustrated that I'm neither of them. <laughs> Might be the plantser. I am. I'm the plantser. <laughs> plantser, yeah. which is, it seems to be working very well for you. Oh, now, yeah. I know there must be advantages to writing a series because you know the character. Um, obviously, the challenge is probably that character arc over a number of books rather than just one book. But what are the, the challenges and advantages, I guess, of writing a series, you know, writing three books, same character, same characters as well, but, you know, the same main character? What are the challenges you face and then what are the advantages? Uh, I guess um, well, one of the advantages, which helps with one of the challenges, is that the longer you have page time with them, the better you get to know them, yeah. uh, especially side characters who you know because obviously you're going to be very fixated on the main character you're mm -hmm. often in their head in a sense they are telling the story even if it's in a third person sense you know you're coming at it from their voice uh and you automatically are in their in their heart in their mind all of that you know and you and you follow them uh but sometimes with a shorter uh series or a sort of book or a standalone you know you have a very limited amount of time with other characters and so you know 
for me personally, character development is such an important part of my writing and I want to make these uh, characters feel real, like little people, you know, with strengths and weaknesses and flaws and um, things that make us be able to relate to them as readers. And that's really difficult to do when you don't have the chance to do it. So that would be the, a big challenge. And so therefore, um, you know, an advantage of a longer series is that you do have that time. Mm. Um, but also with a longer series, you have, because you've added groundwork early on for some characters, you then have more room to add in new characters as you go along and to then, you know, introduce them in a way that they then add um, new elements that maybe you didn't have with the original set of characters. So for example, there's a character who you meet very briefly in The Prison Healer, the first book, and um, this character is not at all likable. Uh, they don't have a very big role, but they're, you know, they are what they are in that book. They're not at all in the second book, but they come into the third book as a really main character and they add so much to the story. And, um, you know, this book has only just come out, but every single person, all the feedback I've gotten from it is so far has been how much everyone loves this character because of how how much they add to it, as I just said. Mm. Um, and so stuff like that, I wouldn't have, if I'd stuck to just one book, this character never would have had a chance to shine in the mm. way that they do. That's um, really interesting. I like that because it's yeah. the side characters that can also be really interesting as well and you want to know more, the, more about them. Yeah, I think my philosophy is that in the same way, you know, you can get to know a human being so much better by the people that they spend time with. Mm. Um, and so these people, you know, if you're out, if, for example, if you go out to like, if you have one friend and you go out to dinner with all their friends, you get so many different sides of them that you didn't know just from knowing them. Like you would yeah. you get the funny stories and you get the embarrassing moments and you get the backstory, things that maybe in a one-on-one -on -one situation you wouldn't know. And you learn these things from their side characters, I guess. So mm, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, and everyone's different too, you know, depending on who they're with and, and where they are, you yeah. know, so we kind of wear many faces during the day you know you're not gonna you're probably not gonna be the same person at the pub as you are in front of your boss probably yeah. <laughs> um, unless you're with your boss at the pub yeah well yes you know <laughs> but you know there are there are sort of these different faces we wear throughout the day so I think you know over a number of books it's really interesting particularly with those side characters that you can get to see them in different lights yeah well and there's also you know even aside from the characters there's things like world building like mm. in the in the first book we are literally stuck inside a prison environment for the entire <laughs> world is a book uh, sorry world is a book the world <laughs> is a prison. um whereas you know the second and especially the third book you go beyond that and you see yeah. so much more of the world and and again if I'd kept it just one book you would have just you know there's no chance for that growing mm. so there are so many different um yeah, so many, I do, I mean, but there's so much to be said for a standalone book as well. It's so nice to be able to just dip in and dip out and have an entire story in one go and then have that, <laughs> like, I know the amount of people who have screamed at me after the first and second books in this series because they end on cliffhangers, as mm. many series do. Yeah. Um, you know, like, it's something really beautiful about knowing you're not going to be left in a horrible, like, <laughs> having to wait a year or longer for another book, so... <laughs> see if they're going to survive that awful thing that just happened to them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, what I was really impressed about is that, you know, you have um, a death prison and you've got all these awful challenges that she's probably going to lose her life and she's sacrificing her soul, but you've also got a romance in there. And one of the questions, you squeezed a romance in there, which I love. And a question from Twitter from Belinda Grant says, what are the hot tips on writing a slow burn romance? Because I think, you know, readers just want them to get together and I don't know if you do as you're writing it. So what's the key to keeping it interesting and having that slow burn? I mean, you need it over a couple of books probably. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of different writers have a lot of different ways of coming at this. Um, you know, especially in YA, often there is, you know, insta-love and very, getting together very quickly. Uh, often there'll be love triangles. Often there'll be things like that. I Those are those two things in particular are kind of pet peeves to me. I don't, I, you know, love triangles stress me out because I always like all the people involved. And I don't <laughs> want to have all to be happy. I know, I do. I really do. So, um, you know, that's always been a problem. And insta-love always drives me crazy in a, especially in a, a fantasy um, series because often then the entire uh, story becomes about the relationship rather than mm. you know the action the adventure the actual challenges and the stakes of the series um, and so I've always I guess I always stand by um, I like my characters to have insta attraction for sure and especially if they're fighting it like as uh, Kiva and Jaren the um, the relationship couple in the relationship couple that sounds like <laughs> the um you know the romantic leads in this series you know they meet in this horrible place and Kiva especially like she'll admit okay he's attractive but I want nothing to do with him because this is you know he's gonna die I'm busy anyway. trying to live exactly I would like <laughs> to survive day to day thank you very much um so you know I think that helps to give uh, to give them a reason you know to both want it but have very clear reasons as to why not to have it um and I think from that it's really important to build a friendship between people mm. because I you know I think some of the strongest relationships will survive by uh not because there's attraction and not even because there's sexual tension or chemistry or anything but it's by the foundation of the um, friendship that they have created and so these characters have been they go through a lot together um and so and it's also I mean it's it's kind of just as a as an author and as a reader I want it to be you know, when they finally, if they finally, whatever, get together, I wanted to be having, I wanted to have been, um, you know, like a payoff. I want to be yeah. worth it. Like they've yeah. earned this moment and readers have earned this moment. They've had to like, like in my Medora Chronicles, which is six books, you have to wait until the very final book. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I sort of, I mean, you have snippets obviously in all the previous yeah. books, but, but that payoff at the end is, you know, that's the moment you're waiting for. And so that's, that's what I've tried to do in this series. Mm, I love that. I love that a lot. And you're right. You know, I think um, it's it's what keeps, you know, those shows going, that banter and that chemistry and, you know, that, that person that's got your back, you know, that's really interesting. And, and sometimes it's more interesting than having them be together from the beginning. Yeah, I hope so. And I think it makes you fall in love with them more too mm. because, you know, you really feel for them and you get frustrated and that, mm. you know, when you're like, just kiss already or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> give him a cuddle or whatever just make up or, or you know just get over yourself and just whatever and so it's that frustrating yearning of a reader um, mm. that hopefully you know translates as well so yeah I do have a lot of fun with the romances in my book I have to admit <laughs> nothing better than desire yeah exactly <laughs> and what drew you to young adult fantasy in the first place um, well, when I started writing it, I was a young adult and I was reading a lot of young adult uh, fiction. So it was kind of in the post-Twilight era. Twilight had just come out and suddenly publishers were like, oh, this is a genre. People are loving this. Let's publish a lot of YA now. And so there was a lot of YA saturating the market, a lot of paranormal mm -hmm. YA back then. It was kind of like everything was vampires um, mm -hmm. or, you know, we were starting to like fae and fairy, those kind of, you know, mm -hmm. uh, those, that was the, sign, the fantasy side of it. Um, and I was reading a lot of different books in the genre that I really enjoyed, but they all had elements that I wanted in one book and I couldn't find all those things in one book. And so one day I literally just thought, why don't I try and write the book I want to read? Uh, and so that's what I did. And that created Akane, which was my first book. Um, and yeah, that that's essentially how I 
fell into writing it. I I was never one of those people who grew up wanting to be a writer. Um, I was always a reader, but I, you know, I know I have people contact me now and they're, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. They're like, my dream is to be an author. I'm like, wow, I envy you so much for knowing what you want when you're so young. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I pretty much just fell into it. And even after I wrote that first book, I never intended to get it published. I didn't even want anyone to read it. I, I just, I, you know, I needed to know what would happen next in the story. So I went on and I wrote the second book again, purely just for me. Um, and the second book kind of ends on a cliffhanger. And when I got to that, I was like, ah, I have so many feelings that I have to, I need to talk to people about this. So how do I find people to talk to about it? Um, and so that's when I was like, well, let's try and get published so I can talk to people about it. And um that makes it sound really easy it was then years <laughs> like three years of, of, <laughs> yes. like you know rejections and whatnot um and funnily enough most of those rejections were you know YA fantasy isn't a thing right now it's not mm. going to be a thing for you know in the near future it's just um you know box this up we can't you know it's not it's not trending if we were to use that word now which we wouldn't back then um and so, yeah, which is really funny because now YA fantasy is such a big, huge mm. you know, genre. So you were writing before your time. I was. Love it. I was. <laughs> <laughs> and why do you think fantasy, you know, now you're saying it's such a big popular market with the YA market. What, what do you think resonates with this, um, you know, with this readership now? I think it comes back. I mean, it comes back to a lot of things, but um, one of the key things would be the escapism it offers. You know, this mm. world is not really a wonderful place all the time it's pretty dark for a lot of people for most of us really and so to offer that escape to readers and especially to you know the YA market is really um diverse especially across age groups as well and demographics like I will have readers as young as like six seven eight but I'll have them as old wow. as like 90 you know like okay. these people are like one of the first ever reviews for one of my books was by a 90 year old man you know like <laughs> so, um and I recently found out someone um a 50 year old man has you know nominated the prison healer as the book club book for you know wow that's cool so, so it's you know when we say YA, people often think, oh, this is just specifically mm. for teenagers, but it's it's not. Um, obviously, I write to teenagers, but it is uh, it is so much broader than that. And I do think it's because we we need that that safe space to get out of our own heads for a while. Um, but if I was to specifically talk about teenagers needing it, um, I think it's because there's so much happening in their worlds. Like you know, they're going through such a transitional time in life um, and dealing with so many things, so many more things than even when I was a teenager. Yeah. You know. <laughs> like we didn't have, so I'm not ancient, but we didn't have like <laughs> you don't you don't appear to be ancient. <laughs> <laughs> I feel it, but I'm not that like you know, I know how to use like a smartphone and stuff. Um, <laughs> but we didn't have them back when I was a teenager. Whereas now, you know, there's just this constant influx that people have to deal with, and I think fantasy in particular really just gives them that that breath and that moment. And it's mm. also you know, I get so many um, emails and messages from people just saying, thank you. I, I don't feel so alone. You know, mm. I, I feel like I went on an adventure with these characters. I feel like they've become my friends in a world where I don't have that. And, and I think that's kind of what it offers. Mm. So and haven't um, we needed that over the last few years? Yeah, for sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now I was doing a little bit of research about you and I was really interested in when you went and visited Fremantle prison and that you know, was the inspiration for this series. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, it was it was amazing. It was accidental and amazing. So I was <laughs> in Perth for Scribblers Festival, which is a children's literary festival, and I had a day off and every all the festival organisers kept saying, you know, you need to go out to Fremantle Prison. Um, 
And so I did. It's a heritage listed site now, so it's you know open for tours. And while I was there, I found out that they had this tumbling tour. Um, and I, I, you know, I like doing adventure kind of things. So I was like, sounds interesting. Let's do it. Um, and so I went down these terrifying ladders deep into the earth, and I walked through these like. Um, dry tunnels but then I hopped in this like boat like a little canoey kind of thing and I paddled through ones that were partially submerged and while I was there in in this little canoe thing um and learning about the history of the prison and how the inmates had to dig for water um in order to provide a water source for the prison and later for the township of Fremantle after a big storm came up and polluted their water supply all this stuff like I just felt so much I felt um, the pain and the discomfort and the agony and the, the injustice and the you know all the different things um, and I just had I just had such a clear image in my mind of how much I really wanted to write a book in a setting like that mm. um, and it spoke to me so much that that night I actually went back and did a night tour it was a ghost tour but wow. I um, I missed all the scares because I was <laughs> taking notes <laughs> <laughs> um, at, at one point like a body dropped from like a fake oh body wow well i'm glad i'm glad you said fake body yeah. now i was gonna question that for a minute <laughs> yes i should have i should have said that first but yes um, <laughs> fake body dropped from somewhere but i missed all i heard was the screams because i was staring like i was looking into the cells and taking notes and then everyone freaked out. i was like oh okay cool 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 anyway where did you come from can we go visit that place <laughs> too busy taking notes my exactly. little torch on my head yeah. <laughs> Um, but it was so creepy, like to see the hangman's noose at nighttime with the yeah, light shining on the wow. forest and all these like it was just like you just felt so oppressed. And mm. um and so I, you know, got on the plane on the way home. It was like a five hour flight and I was just taking notes the whole time. Wow, I love that. Yeah, yeah mm. really it's fascinating. Yeah. I love how place and setting can really spark something, you know, and that's what it did for you. I think that's really cool because you've really got that vision of what that place felt like as well and feels like for your character. Yeah, well, and the tunnels for sure. Like, if I'd ever thought to set a uh, like a, a book in a prison before, I never would have thought to have this entire tunneling system beneath the prison, let alone like prisoners having to dig for water. Like, it just wouldn't have crossed my mind. So, um, yeah, that was incredible. I'm actually, I'm really hoping to go back one day because I would like to go back now that I've read, like, written the book, yeah, and to just do a tour and be like, ah, oh, because obviously, so much of what I've written is very, very different to Fremantle Prison. It's an entire fantasy world, and there's like. You know, there's a quarry and there's a lumber yard and there's all those all those different things. Um, but you know, even just to go back into those tunnels and to just see mm. how much I remembered and how much I didn't, I'd be really. We curious. need to go into the tunnels and you need to do a little reading in there. Wouldn't oh. that be cool? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if my claustrophobia would be allowed to just stay that long. Like, yeah, I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah. I can't stand an elevator, so no, I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Must be of the same people. I'm always in an elevator going, oh, just open the doors, just the I'm doors the same. just open. I hate it. <laughs> or if you know how it pauses for a bit before it gets going, like, oh my God, I'm stuck here for five hours. Like instantly that's my brain. <laughs> no, I'm the exact same. Or even on the other side and like it doesn't quite open quickly enough. Like, yeah. Just open the doors. Just open the doors. Yeah. <laughs> just open the door. <laughs> yeah. They make and me very anxious. <laughs> and then you have those thoughts like if it doesn't open, are you gonna run out of air? Like right? <laughs> I'm worried about running out of snacks. Oh, that too. And water, like everything. <laughs> so, yeah. The things we worry about. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like when you're a kid, like I never realised until like as an adult how much we didn't need to worry about things like quicksand. Right? Like, like as a kid, it was such a very real threat. It's a real threat. Yeah. Quicksand, <laughs> dinosaur, vol volcanic ash. 
fuck everything like Dante's fake <laughs> after that like the, the pyroclastic cloud I was like it's gonna happen it's the Bermuda Triangle happen. I was always worried about the Bermuda Triangle <laughs> about it yeah it was even now like I have thoughts every session like what happens there you know (laughs) so elevator it's a really real fear because you would you would go in an elevator you know once at least a fortnight or so I try and avoid them where I can but yeah also don't like (laughs) stairs much either so you don't have much choice (laughs) I know it depends on how like how high you have to go (laughs) exactly 34 floors I will definitely take the elevator yeah for sure the question I ask all my guests when they come on on it is why do you write Ooh, I mean I can't imagine not writing I feel like it's even if I was never published I, I think it's just you know, I have to get words on page. I have to get the stories out of my head. And I love these little human beings that I create too much to not turn them real or as real as I can. I think it's it's such a passion for me. And it's just such a, I think that's why it's uh, relatively easy for me to switch off that worry about what people might think when I write, because I'm not writing for anyone but myself. And, and you know, once I'm done, I hope people like it. But in the moment, it's just purely this beautiful me and the words and, um and seeing where they go like to me it's an adventure especially when you know when my plotting goes out the window as it often does and and I have to kind of experience it as I'm writing it and it's just it's like it's like yeah I I really don't have the words to describe it which is a little bit ironic um but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I just I just it just means so much to me and it's kind of um yeah I can't I can't imagine not writing mm. I guess it's my answer to that. Well, thank goodness it. that you fell into it. I'm sure all the readers around the world, you know, your cult following that you have are very grateful that you fell into that. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, Lynette. I've been wanting to speak to you for a while. I just think, you know, anyone who just writes these amazing books that resonate with readers is just so important to the literary community. So I'm so glad to have gotten a little insight into your brain tonight. And um, we really look forward to seeing what you come up with next. Oh, thank you. And thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.